am I Reister or am I wrong? With my main man, as usual, Ralph Amsden. Uh, thank you guys for joining the show. It is National Women's Day in sports, Women and Girls Day in sports. So we're going to talk about some female athletes for a sec. Um, what would you do if you were like Jeff Bezos and retired as the richest man in the world? Country music star Morgan Wallen, he drops the N-word and immediately online he becomes about rap music. Mike Lindell, a.k.a. My Pillow Guy, his Newsmax performance went off the rails and it was outstanding watching on social media. Uh, LeBron James and courtside Karen is absolutely hilarious, but it had an amazing ending. And the NFL is being accused of racial discrimination for its concussion settlement payouts. And Martina Navratilova, she seeks a provision to Joe Biden's executive order for transgender participation. So we're going to talk about that. Am I Reister or am I wrong is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. The truth is the most important thing that we have. And we have open and honest conversations. Daily fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only here. Check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. If you want to get a hold of us, you can shoot us an email. I'm Matt. I-M-M-A-D at unafraidshow.com. Make sure that you tell a friend about it and subscribe and all of those things. Um, oh, and also you can listen to us on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast as well. And me on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Uh, check the bio, all that stuff. But Ralph. Today, so we had this whole plan of everything that we were going to talk about. And then Ralph went and got in a Twitter fight. So this is where the show is going to start. And if you don't know Ralph, his Twitter handle is right next to you right there. So if you want to start a fight on Twitter, he's the guy. Please he, don't. Please don't. <laughs> he got in a fight today. Tell, him, tell, tell the people what happened, Ralph. Go ahead. It's not even it's not even that interesting. I've tried so hard for the last year just to kind of like mind my own business and not jump in because 99% of the things that I get in is replying to somebody else's crazy reply to a viral tweet. Cuz okay. my first instinct anytime there's a viral tweet is always to like scroll down into the into the mentions. And I did that today on a Beth Moore tweet and if you don't know who Beth Moore is she is like a, a Christian teacher slash author um, and the, the one of the reasons I follow Beth Moore is because nobody on Twitter nobody not the Kent State gun girl not um, AOC nobody gets more weird hate on Twitter than this sweet woman beth moore who is like in her early 50s and is just like all about god and the bible and and being nice to people right um a lot of people hate her because she's a woman and she shouldn't be speaking and then there's people who hate her just because she's uh religious and everybody has a voice online so you know you can it, it, it's it, it's just always interesting to see what she says on a daily basis that will get people riled up. And today she tweeted, Jesus is not a Republican or a Democrat, which I, I don't make sense. Which those is two things did. Yeah. They didn't even like exist, exist. Uh, when he walked the earth. Um, 
and you know he's not exactly in a, into a American politics or or anything like that, despite what many people will uh, lead you to believe. And somebody in her mentions, a million people in her mentions have always have a million things to say, but someone said, oh good, the both sides are no side argument. Helpful. Jesus was a dissident fighting against the status quo of bigotry, misogyny, and oppression. Right now, that aligns with the Democrat Party. Jesus, in this moment, would be a Democrat. 100 years ago, a Republican. And I was just I was thinking to myself, and I was like, don't don't say anything. And <laughs> but you can't not say anything. Yeah, yeah. And so and so I was like, okay, well, I'll at least be earnest, right? I just said like, hey, Jesus in this moment or any other moment, he'd be Jesus, right? Like, there's no there's no identity outside of that. Like, yeah, he, it's its own identity. Like that's the whole point is that it's its own thing, and that you're supposed to look at things through that lens prior to any other. Um, lens that, that that you identify with, and uh, he said the concept that Jesus would not take sides ignores everything Jesus did. He took sides and he died for it. And I was like, well, I mean, he was the side. He was the side. So why took. did you get in the fight if you knew that this was? There's no winning this fight, Ralph. I don't know, man. I have no idea. I don't know. And it's immediately evident to me, immediately evident to me that I'm like, oh, I'm arguing with a person who does not possess the ability to see things the way that I see things. Like, cannot step outside of where they're at to, to look at things the way that I'm looking at them. So, Impossible. And so everybody, I did it to pick myself. A fight where, yes, you did it. To, so everybody, if you ever want to get in a Twitter fight, pick it with Ralph. Just just at him something. Please don't. That, yes, please do it. And tag me in it because he cannot tag, resist. Tag I do me struggle. I really struggle <laughs> to like let my thumbs rest. Um, Today is National Women and Girls in Sports Day. Um, so which female athletes, Ralph, inspire you or have? Well, the night, the nice thing for, for me is I, uh, and I even tweeted this today. Like I, when you're at a formative age, seeing, uh, female athletes participate in sports media or compete in sports at a high level at that formative age, I think really keeps you from growing up to be a person who just writes kitchen in the reply of every single WNBA tweet. Um, and so I, I think I was lucky enough to not grow up to become a, a jerk because I got Sports Illustrated for kids in the mail. So I'd see stuff about what Mia Hamm was up to or Rebecca Lobo. Yeah. But my, my, um, uh, I have three big influences. One was seeing Linda Cohn on Sports Center every day, every single day. And it, she wasn't just hanging with no, everybody. she's like, good. Yeah. She was like, it, it was, it wouldn't have been the same without her. Yeah, like it just like it wouldn't have been the same without Kenny Maine, or it wouldn't have been the same without Olbermann and Patrick's partnership, or Stuart Scott or Rich Eisen. Like it would it would have been incomplete without yeah. her. She was elite. And then the second one was my freshman year in high school. Um, we had what what is considered to be the best girls basketball team in the history of the state of Arizona. They were all juniors uh, when I was a freshman in high school. We practiced against them. They had a six seven senior who went on to play in the WNBA. Yeah. Um, and uh, they had a six-five power forward. Their point guard was a freshman, and she was a really good friend of mine. Four of them went to college um, to to play college basketball, and the, on, the only one that didn't was maybe the best one out of all of them had cystic fibrosis, and that's the only thing that kept her from doing it. And so, like the the big men on campus when I was in high school, even though I went to high school with like Terrell Suggs, it was the women's basketball team. Yeah. And the third one was my track coach, 
was a, a former ASU track athlete who talked me into running track and became my first like coach that I had a long-term uh, relationship with. And so, I mean, that, that, that was it for me. And then now I have a ton of colleagues that I look up to and respect and consume their content. But I think the formative age was the really big part for me. Yeah. For, for me, the women in sports that probably have had the biggest impact on me, like first had to be Serena Williams, just cause like she's so damn dominant. I mean like Tiger Woods dominant and the, influence that she's had like when my daughter oldest daughter played tennis and to see the impact that it's had and how tennis has changed colors and it's a rainbow at tennis events now and so that's good to see and like her and venus have been like powerful in that way and and also helping in the pay gap all of that stuff and truthfully i if if i have a choice to watch and granted i'm a big roger federer fan I like men's tennis, but look, if I have a choice between watching Serena Williams and Rafael Nadal, Joker, Federer, I'm watching Serena because it's more interesting to me. First thing, and then two, the men's matches yeah. are too damn long. They're just too damn long. Yeah, like I don't have. I would like, say, do you think Serena's the only female athlete that that uh, experiences the same thing that dominant male athletes experience in that if they lose, people don't talk about who, what somebody did to beat them. People talk about like what was wrong with them yes. on that day. Ooh. Cause I can't think of any other female athlete that gets that treatment to where if they lose, it's like, Oh, why didn't they meet the expectation? Standard. Yeah. Why didn't they of, meet the of standard? dominance? Yep. Yeah. 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 Cause I, LeBron gets that Tiger Woods gets that. Um, but I, I, the only female athlete that I can think of that gets yeah. that treatment is Serena. And you know who, and then another, uh, fe female, but not necessarily, she's in athletics, but not a current athlete is Doris Burke, dude. Like Doris Burke is, I love listening to Doris Burke do basketball games. There is nobody else besides maybe like Jay Billis for, for college that I'm like, yo, I can't wait to hear this dude. I can't wait to I mean, Doris Burke is an educator. She's entertaining. There's nobody I would rather listen to call a basketball game than Doris Burke, period. Like nobody. Like if you could put her with the, oh, well, if her and Mike Breen together, the bangs and, and with Doris, dude, as an analyst, I'm sign me up. Um, next thing up. Well, Jeff Bezos, he is stepping down as CEO of Amazon, and he's going to be in charge of the board, chairman of the board, all that stuff. But it's basically a semi-retirement. So that got us to thinking, what would you do if you were like Jeff Bezos and you retired as the richest man in the world? And I was thinking, I was like, okay. Okay, not Jeff Bezos' age, but my age right now. At 39 years old, I was like, what would I be doing? I was like, I would I would be still on this podcast with Ralph because Ralph would not be the richest man in the world. So then he would still be doing it. <laughs> you want to hear about my poor people problems. <laughs> so um, I would still be doing it. I would have a bigger, fancier, fancier production studio, all of that stuff. But aside from that, 
like not much would change in my in my life. I probably get I probably I I get a couple I get at least one more car. I would absolutely I would never step foot in an airport again. Like that's for sure. A, an actual terminal never again. I've flown private before. That is the only way to go. So I would never step foot in a regular airport again. Mm-mm, mm-mm, that's for commoners. Uh, <laughs> I, you, like, would you even upgrade my equipment or would you just be coming in crystal clear and then you'd have like the delay on my side <laughs> just to torture me on this podcast? I'm trying to figure no, out what the... Ralph, are you kidding me? Dude, I would absolutely upgrade all your stuff because then that okay, would affect my you. production. So okay. that would affect our production, dude. I am absolutely upgrading everything about your your situation because i'm a you know I, I i roll with the homies so yeah and if you do good i do good it's like that jay-z line if 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 you're the only millionaire around you then you're doing it wrong basically basically that you're whack if you're the only one of your friends that's doing well then then you ain't really doing all that well so that's why i look at it okay uh, I would say that I've, I've always said that if I got lottery money, you'd never hear from me again. Um, but I think the, one of the reasons that you'd never hear from me again is lottery money's finite. Like, you could run out. You know, I, I'd be in a cabin in the woods somewhere. Nobody would ever hear. I, I'd have everything I need shipped in. No, you um, wouldn't. But, no, you wouldn't. Okay. All right. You, you have I, too much to say. The same thing. You have too much My to say. My wife says the same thing, and I, I, I think the only reason I'm talking now is because I is is because I don't have enough money to be filling my face with caviar or anything. So, uh, I will say this though: if I got like Bezos money, it would be live sporting events. That'd be everything. Like our show would be on the road. We, I, I put on all my friends. Yeah. Everybody would have a role in the organization. Yes. And 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 every single major live sporting event, we'd be there. Every so, single one. So it would be like we a would new be bar at stool. the actual events. Yeah, I mean, I mean, kind of. Not, not, like, not in the same way, but I mean, yeah, essentially. Except I'm not sitting. I'm not sitting. I'm sitting in a box at every game, like with just me. Maybe if you if you're there, maybe just you. But like I, I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm definitely not a man of the people. <laughs> I'll be. <laughs> I'll be there so I can experience it live. Um, but I'm, yeah, I mean, it won't even be like ri- boxing matches. It won't be ringside. They'll just have to like suspend me from a rope over <laughs> so nobody can get near me. Nobody can touch me. And I, so I, I, I was still like work to achieve my privacy, but I want to be at all of these things. Um, and if, if I had that kind of money, the Amazon money that would never run out, like there's no reason that, that you couldn't just be at everything. Oh yeah. So the, so we're actually going to skip around a little bit cause this is a good trans transition because then you would turn out to be this lady, the Cavaliers. this lady Shut here, uh, who has been affectionately nicknamed courtside <laughs> Karen. Lady. What's wow. her name? I forgot her name. Is Josie Cheryl? Which, well, she's um, pointing like that one meme so, with the lady and the cat. <laughs> and the lady who said this about LeBron says after something game. To my husband. And I, and I see this and I go, I stand up and go, don't fucking talk to my husband. And he looks at me and he goes, sit the fuck down, bitch. And I go, don't fucking call me a bitch. You sit the fuck, get the fuck out of here. And I go, don't fucking talk to my husband like that. Don't talk to my husband. 
And he literally was like, fuck you, bitch. Sit down, bitch. And all of a sudden, now I'm getting kicked out. Excuse me, I have courtside seats that I pay for. Fuck you, LeBron. You're a fucking pussy. Get the fuck out of here. You're going to let a 25-year-old girl intimidate you during a game? Bye, bitch. Yo, I truly cannot fathom how whack some of you guys are. Like, and... I don't know about you guys, but if my girl was at a game and someone was talking to me and my girl didn't stand up for me, I would reevaluate that relationship. So for all of you- So. <laughs> Two courts I Karen is amazing. There is so I many- love her. I'm in love. Okay, so what part did you, what parts of the video or the situation stuck out to you the most? Oh, like the exaggeration. For sure. For sure. Like inflating the experience in her own head to the point where she was able to capitalize and like come up with this entire scenario that didn't even happen to make herself the victim um, with, with just with that much face paint and still decked out like that. Like, and, do and that was you even think after. he called like, her a bitch? That was after getting home. Probably not. Probably not. I mean, I'm, She's probably been called it enough that she just inserts it in her <laughs> mind. <laughs> like I know that 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 that's a thing. Uh, that's a complex. But no, man, I I'm a fan of every single thing that she said and every single thing that happened. Even the apology. Like we have a okay. new celebrity, and I bow at her the name altar is... of Juliana Carlos. Okay, so here are the parts that, that that stood out to me. First thing is that she said that. I bought these seats. Lady, you didn't buy a damn thing. You didn't buy that. Your your 60-year-old plus husband, he bought them. And LeBron was caught on camera saying, oh, steroid ass. And if you look at a picture of her, oh, I should have put up a picture of her husband on here. Damn it. Um, This dude literally looks like he belongs in a new Genix commercial. In one of those low, <laughs> in one of those, hey, get your testosterone up, be in shape, healthy man, like one of those. No, I would, I would not be surprised to find out he was like a gas station pills magnate, like that's how oh. he made his money. I would not be surprised at all. Yeah, and she said, and then the other part is, she says she's twenty five. Ralph, not a chance. Do you believe she's twenty five? I do, I do. I mean, I, I know, I know a few people who are twenty five, and. And some people live hard. <laughs> some people stand a lot. Dude, she looks some like she's been rode hard and hung up wet. Yeah, I, I didn't like I, I think of all of the slander that she got, the 25-year-old one was a bit harsh because just on the merits of what she was saying and doing, it was so ridiculous. It was just like a regular exchange. And she stepped into the line of fire with, like with a grenade strapped to her chest and threw the whole thing. So far out of proportion. Like, I'll pull like, it. I'll pull it. <laughs> yeah, but it was like an entertainment grenade because I I probably scrolled Twitter for two hours that I would have been doing something else, just laughing at everything that everybody had to say and how everybody. And the thing that I keep coming back to, George, is and the question that I want to ask you is, what would have happened if that was you that mouthed off to an athlete, they came back at you and your wife was sitting right there because that was her ultimate point was like, you want somebody like me um, to Mm. like, that's what you want. You want a ride or die chick. Now I don't, I'm not, I'm definitely not saying that anybody wants somebody who's breaking the third, the the half plus seven rule. You don't want to be dating somebody 35 years younger than you. you. Somebody that would be me dating somebody who is not yet born. 
You don't want that. Like that's not that's not acceptable. What I am saying is, is she right? Is that what the people want? Do they want somebody like her? No. The, well, yes, yes, on some on, on on some level. Because my wife, if she felt like I got dis disrespected, bro, there's nothing that you can do. Like like LeBron said, she was lucky that she got him instead of his wife. So, dude, it it it, it would be like getting attacked by an army of spider monkeys and she's one person. So I, so like, yes, you do. But if I got in an argument, somebody on the court, she's not going to jump into it. Like she's, she's not like we're, we're two men arguing about something. She might be like, yeah, get over there. Shut up. You shut up too. But anything else, like if she got too hyped, I'd be like, baby, like relax. I got this. Like, don't, don't worry about this. You know, but if she got in an argument with another woman, I'm not jumping in like that. But if she but yeah. if she got in an argument with a man, then I got to jump in. I would say uh, I'm 100% sure of what my wife would do in that situation. And it would be me getting into it with a player, me looking over, her not being there, me getting walked out of the stadium by security <laughs> and seeing her in line at the, at, at the merch stand buying a LeBron James jersey. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like this girl so much because I know for a fact that like not only would would my wife leave me out there on an island to do my own work, she would probably join the other team. Like she is she 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 100% believes that like I I have to learn all these lessons 100% <laughs> on my own and she'll be real quick to side with the uh, with the other party. So I, I that, that and that keeps me from doing dumb stuff like this guy did like chirping LeBron while he's on the court. The other thing I want to bring up is you shouldn't be offended if you're in the crowd and somebody tells you to sit down cuz that's your job. Yeah. That's your job at the game. That would be like a basketball player getting mad if you yelled play basketball at them. If they tell you to sit down like that's what you do there. You pay she even said, "I paid for the seats." So sit in them. Sit down. Okay. No, I see. I'm I'm a person that I believe that people have a right rights at games. That they have a right to cheer. They have a right to boo. Right to be entertained. All these things. And you also have a right to. I I believe that you can say whatever you want to an athlete. Whatever you want, as provided that you would say that same thing to them if you were locked in a room with them and there were no consequences for their reaction like whatever happened to you i would absolutely if you would say it then yeah i would yep go go ahead i have no problem with it that's my general feeling on it i've talked i've talked trash to athletes from the stands before and i was proud of myself like when i was a lot younger a lot younger like early early 20s maybe late teens i was super proud of myself for getting flipped off by your teammate matt jones I was super proud of myself for uh, getting Brian Jordan when he was an outfielder for the Braves to pay more attention to me than he was paying to the game. Um, but I was like 19 or 20 years old. Like I was an idiot. And so um, I think I think that once your frontal lobe is fully developed, you should probably move past those things. Okay. All right. Um, well, speaking of moving past those things there is a guy who is uh in big time trouble right now i'll let you tell tell the folks about it ralph 
Oh, you're, le- <laughs> you're letting me take uh, this one. I don't even know if I have the qualifications to tell this story, uh, <laughs> George, but let's let's get after it. So there's a country music star. Uh, and if you're not into country music, that's totally OK. And I'm into that- country music. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think when you get to the point where you're the musical guest on Saturday Night Live, you have dipped enough into the mainstream that that people have at least probably heard your stuff. Yeah. Um, and so he's got the more, number one country hit for, uh, I think in 2020. Yeah. So, uh, Morgan Wallen is a young guy. He looks like he plays for coastal Carolina cause he's, you know, uh, in his twenties rocking a mullet and he is a pop country superstar who made, um, who made headlines last year by like partying at a bar when he without like a mask or anything when he was supposed to go on saturday night live and he had his appearance delayed and then saturday night live actually did a sketch about him coming back from the future to warn himself not to make stupid decisions um because saturday night live would cancel on him and it was probably really really funny sketch jason bateman was the host i really enjoyed it he's talented he's talented a lot of people pop country is not their thing it's definitely not my thing um but you can see what the what the appeal is right he's he's a talented artist um if it's not for you it's not for you but somebody filmed him outside his own house drunk uh dropping the n-word pretty um aggressively i mean is that the the best characterization for that Uh, Okay, anytime you... Okay, here's the thing. Anytime you drop the N-word, it's aggressively. In in, in my mind. Like, if you call somebody that or refer to somebody as that, that's aggressive. That's an aggressive action, and you have actually taken your... uh, your life in your own hands. But the thing is, does this look like a guy to you who would use the N-word? I mean, I know we're not supposed to judge people off of their, um, you know, off of their looks. But does he look like a guy that you would say, all right, I'm not surprised he said this. He looks like a guy that would get five cents in his bank account every time someone else used the N-word. Yeah, exactly. He looks like he might have patented the phrase. Okay, and here is the video of what he said. Hey, actually... Hey, y'all too? Yeah. Hey, take care of this pussy ass motherfucker. Oh, f***. Hey, take, hey, Gracie, take care of this pussy ass motherfucker. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, here's what's happened to him. Man. And so, he's been effectively canceled. And mind you, in general, I am against cancel culture. But people are going to say, oh, George, but you're going to be for this uh, because he said the N-word as opposed to something else. No. Here is the thing. So his label, Big Loud Records, has suspended him indefinitely. Um, iHeart said they're not playing his songs. They're taking him out of their playlist. All of this. Country music television. Yes. So they're not going to run his videos. Yeah. So, but... but but people are like this is cancel culture. No, this is time. I am not for canceling him permanently, but you do have to take a timeout. You do have to take a timeout. Like there are consequences to your actions, and you have to be able to say, "All right, look, man, I messed up. Let me figure out how this went left." Because people will tell you 
they will say, oh, well, it was just an innocent, it was a mistake. And I'm like, yes, it clearly was a mistake. But the question is, when I get drunk and I get pissed off at people, I don't start yelling racial epithets. Like, I don't, like, that's not part of it. When I get mad at my wife, the first thing that did, uh, um, that comes out of my mouth is not see you next Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like it's right. That's an acronym in case you in, in case you missed it. But uh, like that's not so. That's the part that you have to examine. It's not that the fact yeah. that that he said it. It's why he felt so comfortable. Like you have to say, all right. He needs a timeout, and during that time, he needs to examine himself and be like, "Yo, why was that the first thing that?" And people need to stop just excusing it as a mistake and say, oh, wait, hold up. There's something there that needs to be changed and addressed. Yes. Uh, th- I think there's the, there's the two things, right? There's the Riley Cooper uh, instance of like saying it in anger. Yeah, the uh, Eagles. Yeah, the, uh, the Eagles yeah. wide receiver. There he goes. Um, so, so anyways, he was talking about Riley, Riley Cooper. We were talking about Morgan, uh, Wallen, the country music singer and how, whether he should be canceled, whether he should not be able to, um, to, to, to perform and all this. And I have consistently said that when you mess up, there should be a path back. There should be a path to redemption. But you can't say that there's no like you can't expect that there be no path to redemption. Like people should have a way back. Like I'm okay with people getting a way back. Like people should absolutely have a way to redeem themselves. Welcome back, Ralph. That they should have a way to to, to redeem themselves when something goes wrong. And now Ralph is, of course, texting me. Um, you are in, Ralph. We're back. Oh, See, this is a, I, the the seventy five percent of me that is is white. Uh, uh, may led me to believe that I'm not allowed to speak on this subject. So I got I, this is cancel culture, man. The internet just brought <laughs> me. Well, okay. So I wanted to hear what you had to say because you were saying that there's different types of ways that people use it. You were talking about Riley Cooper from the Eagles in terms of anger and all that. So yeah, in today's day and age, you have two, you have two situations, especially when somebody's intoxicated, you have the informal use that we just saw from, from Morgan Wallen. And then you have the, like using it in, in anger. I think both are seriously problematic because one, you would have to ask yourself, like there are no excuses. Everybody knows that that word is not for some people to be using. Like there, you you would have had to exist on an island in a culture in which that was a word that meant something else, and then all of a sudden popped up in the middle of New York City, saying it to have any excuse that 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 you didn't know that there would be consequences for your actions, right? And so like he he knows better, and he used it casually, and I think everyone took from that of like okay this is something he says all the time for sure yeah and then there's the riley cooper thing of like oh this dude says this when he's mad there's probably something in his heart that needs addressed right yeah. and with, with morgan wall i'm not sure that that's the issue but i think there has to be some type of reckoning it's not cancel culture it's consequence culture cancel culture is when you want somebody to suffer even though it doesn't affect your life 
in the slightest. Cancel culture is an absolute disease. You want somebody to lose something or pay a price. Like cancel culture is the crucify him, crucify him. That's that culture, right? Yeah. Has nothing to do with you, but you pile on. Consequence culture is the the people who have given you your privileges that you worked for and earned remove those privileges when your work does not match. Consequence culture is the thing, same thing that gets you fired from a job for showing up late eight out of ten days. I like so, that. I like that, Ralph. I'm right. I'm writing that down. I'm pretending that I said it from now on. No, I'm okay. um, <laughs> no you're not joking. You're not joking. You're not joking. <laughs> Cancel culture versus consequence culture. Oh, Ralph, Ralph, Ralph knows I'm like semi joking right now. Right, right now, I haven't made up my mind. You're not. It's not at all a joke. Um, <laughs> hey, but what, so what, what, what's the road back? What's the road back? Because uh, the one Listen. thing that was most interesting to me is in the replies to like country music television saying that they were uh, uh, not going to play his stuff anymore. Yeah was i would say like 75 percent of the replies were country music fans saying well then don't let them say it in rap so yeah. where's the disconnect here that people still don't understand like that, that people said like oh well what about the hypocrisy of rappers saying it what about the double standard of us not being allowed to say it why is that people's first reaction I've never understood that. Oh, dude, I I heard a comedian, or no, it was I forget who it all was. He explained this better than I've ever heard anybody say it. He said, "All right, when my wife talks to her friends, he was talking about his his wife. He said sometimes they'll call each other. They'll be like, hey, bitch, like you know, like all of this, whatever, right?'" And he was like, "But I don't. When I have a conversation with them." That doesn't, I never think that that's okay to say. I never think that that's okay for me to use in the situation. And the same thing with other people who are familiar with each other. That's a word that, or a term or a, of endearment that they have used in their situation. So that doesn't mean that it's okay for you to use. Like it's not okay. So like, and I, I thought that that was a great explanation. But what did you uh, like? You know, it's it's easy. It's low hanging fruit to say that it goes to rap. Um, the, uh, the his path back, though, for me. Is he's got to just show some change, some contrition, some change. Be like, yo, like I did X, Y and Z things to examine myself you're gonna have to do an interview in a couple months and be like yo here are the things that i did and then see if people and people will believe you if they feel like if they feel the sincerity coming from you and i mean yeah so aside from that i don't know what to tell you um the mike lindell aka my pillow guy he went on newsmax and it went off the rails dude it went off the rails here is what it sounded like so well, what happened? What what happened with your Twitter account and the uh, company page? Well, first mine was taken down because we have all the election fraud with these Dominion machines. We have a hundred percent proof. And then I, when they took it down uh, about Mike, three weeks Mike, ago, 
I, and then I put it back up. My personal, I put a, it was a Mike, uh, thank activity. you very much. It's Mike, Mike, I, you're talking about machines uh, that, that we at Newsmax have not been able to verify any of uh, those kinds of allegations. We just want to let people know that there's nothing substantive that we've seen. And let me read you something there. While there were some clear evidence of some cases of vote fraud and election irregularities, the election results in every state were certified and Newsmax accepts the results as legal and final. The courts have also supported that view. So right. we so, wanted so to talk to you about canceling culture, if you will. We don't want to relitigate the, the, the uh, allegations that you're making, Mike, because we, we, we understand where you are. So let me ask you this. Do you think that this should be temporary because it appears to be permanent? Could you make an argument that it is temporary? What? <laughs> could you make an argument that this could be a temporary right. banning rather than this is outstanding permanent? no i want it to be a permanent because you know what they did this because i'm revealing all the evidence on friday of all the election fraud with these machines so i'm okay sorry. so he ended up walking out the host in the middle he ended up walking <laughs> out of the interview and i thought it was hilarious because i was like i've never seen anybody just give up in the middle of an interview he was like forget it <laughs> i'm done with this like i don't have any more room left for this and it was hilarious to me i was like yo why on earth like give it up at some point in time you have to understand when you've lost like you have to understand like yo like the <laughs> I don't know whether he's a QAnon person or what, because they don't give up or they rarely give up. And he's just still at it. Like, bro, it's the election's over. It's not coming back. Even if you b believe that it's time to stop talking about it. So then that got me to thinking about Newsmax. So do you think the guy from Newsmax interrupted him? Because I've watched Newsmax. Do you think that they interrupted him because... Newsmax doesn't want to get sued by Dominion and everybody else like everybody else? Or do you think that he's just like enough's enough? Oh, absolutely. That statement that he read was one that was given to the, like this one that corporate and their corporate lawyers formulated because they're on the verge of getting sued by Dominion. Dominion already filed a $1.3 billion lawsuit against Sidney Powell. The Georgia lawyer who has been at the forefront of a of spreading a lot of um, this information about the Dominion systems being compromised by foreign actors. And the Mike Lindell thing, like the fact that uh, a charismatic former drug addict pillow CEO has become a national um, uh, celebrity slash laughing stock is just the like zeitgeist. It's just the sign of our times. It's just a sign that idiocracy was a prophetic movie. And, um, but I, I want to say something and I don't want you to mishear me on this. Mike Lindell in that clip, he might've come off as absolutely insane, but if you actually listened in between them trying to read the lawyer's statement over him, he had a point. He had a very legitimate point, and nobody has mentioned that yet. They Whoa. brought Mike Lindell onto Newsmax to talk about his Twitter handle getting suspended. His Twitter handle got suspended because he keeps talking about the Dominion voting systems. So if you could hear him, he was saying, 
how how can we have this conversation when that's why they suspended me? So like Newsmax, I, I, all I've seen are reactions saying like, oh, it's so funny that like that even Newsmax, even Newsmax, even the conservative Newsmax can't take Mike Lindell. No, this was 100% Newsmax pieing themselves in the face because they brought a man in who got his Twitter account suspended for talking about the voting machines and then expected him to not talk about the voting machines. Yep. What is he supposed to do? It, like, I'm not, I'm definitely not advocating for his positions. I think that he is absolutely out there alone on on Saturn with some of his views. I guess we'll see on Friday. He says he's going to reveal everything on Friday. But, like, he was getting frustrated and saying, like, you brought me here to talk about my Twitter account. It was suspended because of this. Okay, so, so I like, got a question for I still you. believe it. So do you own a my pillow? I do not. I do not. I need a new pillow, though. I Really, really badly. My sleep has not been great this week. I beat my, one of my pillows is 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 beat to hell, and uh, and I genuinely thought about like, I bet you can get some at a pretty good discount right now from Dude, some I, like disaffected liberals. I always see them in Bed Bath and Beyond because we we have a pillow thing in our in a, in our house. I get a lot of pillows. Uh, like, you got like nine 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 pillows on every couch. Is that your family? No, 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 hell no. Uh, but like. My daughter, my my youngest daughter, she's 10. She likes to sleep with three pillows. My oldest son, he likes to sleep with, good God, he, I think he sleeps with like three or four pillows. My youngest, my middle son, he sleeps with a body pillow and a <laughs> pillow. So anyways, there's a lot of pillows in our in our house. And every time I would always walk in and see the my pillows. And I never got them because it just felt kind of gimmicky. And then I'm funny about pillows too. I need them to be hyperallergenic. I, I, you know what I mean? Like I don't know whether I want them actual feathers or whether I, I'm. It's a, it's a whole thing. Um, my uh, dad always says my dad won't buy stuff like that that's always on TV because yeah. he always says you're paying for the advertisements. He's right. He's. I, see, I don't get that because like. I had Geico for a long time and I really liked it. And I told my dad I had Geico and he just said, you're just paying for the ads. You're not paying for the coverage. <laughs> but you, like, what are you talking about? Well, there's a, I mean, you are paying for the ads, but sometimes those things match up. Uh, next thing up though, the NFL is being accused of racial discrimination for the concussion settlement payments. And this speaks directly to my heart and something that I care about. Because I know a lot of people who were part of the concussion settlements and the lawsuits, Rydell uh, law, lawsuit, and I was actually a part of it as well. But the reason why this issue like bothers me so much is because as athletes, right, is as athletes, we are asked to put our bodies on the line. It's supposed to be a meritocracy. The NFL did the wrong thing with the concussions, the helmets, all of these other things. NFL was completely in the wrong, completely in the wrong. And then on the back end, the audacity to not pay out the claims and have some racial impropriety to it. And this is not just from the ABC News report. If you go to disability, um, let me pull up, pull up his Twitter right now. Um, 
if you go to the NFL disability Twitter, I'll, I'll tag it in the um, I'll, I'll tag it in the show notes. But there is a Twitter, the NFL. Oh, disabled NFL player. I think it is. Um, they always talk about how the, the the racial element applies when it comes to guys not getting their coverage or not getting their their payments. And what the issue is, is this. Hold on. Let me get Ralph back in. The issue is this. The issue is not that. That they should or should not be paid. Hold on. I am going to take a break for just half a second so I can get Ralph back in. And then we will be good. Sorry about the issues. Uh, what are we at? 45 minutes. Okay. Ralph, can you hear me? Oh, okay. I don't know why I can't see you. Um, oh, hmm. You disappeared there. Okay, let's get you back. Oh, you're uh, the the people can still hear you though. Oh, actually, okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, hold on. Yep. Okay. Well, the the camera's on you while I finish fixing our toolbox right now. <laughs> there we go. Okay. So so I was basically saying that I have an issue with the NFL even having this as a problem. Like that guys put their bodies on the line, they put their life on the line because you can get you can die playing football. And the fact that guys have gotten concussions, the league did the wrong thing and then has handled this so poorly on the back end is like criminal to me. I just think that if you have um, done what the league has done, then yeah, you, there's no way in hell that you can justify the way that they have handled it. Yeah. Uh, the NFL didn't do this though. I mean, like the, the NFL in the way that people interpret the NFL, like this isn't Jerry Jones fault. This isn't Roger Goodell's fault. This is, these are the types of hiccups that come into play when you're trying to solve a problem. These are solution oriented problems. So you finally, finally, after dragging your feet for a really long time on even admitting that uh, life in the NFL taking subconcussive hits actually contributes to CTE or brain deterioration. Um, e even though the overwhelming evidence of like, Hey, why would our former players be shooting themselves in the chest? Like yeah. th that. It, it, so you go beyond common sense to the point where your hand is forced and you say like, all right, we need to solve this problem. And in order to solve this problem, there are no good options in solving it only retroactive uh, options. And so we need to get into the nitty gritty of how to actually quantify the ways in which we can help people. And so in order to do that, let's bring in a team of lawyers, former legislators, stuff like that. And this is the type of stuff that people like that, when they forget that they're dealing with human beings and they're just dealing with the nitty gritty and numbers and things along that line, that's the type of stuff that they, they deal with. And so it's not like Roger Goodell said like, Hey, make sure that you include that black people are dumber than white people. So you have to prove a further cognitive decline for black people in order to compensate them correctly. That's yes. not what happened in this situation. Oh. It was, we need to find a way to pay these people. So let's use this set of criteria. 
And those people had their heads buried so far in the, the sand that when given a read through by uh, people on the outside, it's like, how could you even arrive yeah. at this conclusion? Okay, and, so, and so, and, and that yeah. term is called race norming and it's used across several different medical fields. It's supposed to quote unquote safeguard against misdiagnosis because these norms, they assume that the average black player starts at a lower level of cognitive function than the average white player at the outset of their careers. Like how, what, excuse me? I, I can't figure out why anybody would, how that makes sense to anybody that the average black player, they all went to college. <laughs> So how does the, and 70 plus percent of the league is black. So how do you come up with that? The cognitive function of black players on average is less. Absolutely mind numbingly stupid to me. That's probably why we aren't getting black head coaches. It's probably why, I, I mean, uh, uh, and it took so long to get black quarterbacks because they were like, oh yeah, they can't. They can't process information as fast as the white guys can. And it's the same issue. And right. And so this is the thing that when people take offense to the, to the term systemic racism, like this is it. This is the actual example of what it looks like when a race component is built into a system. And that system is used to devalue someone based on their skin color. But this the is a thing. literal definition yes. of systemic racism. This is the same thing that happens. I, I know people that are like, wow, this is mind blowing. If you read any studies, the, the, the Jackson Heart study, they talked about, they did a study on how uh, different people are treated when they go to see doctors. They, they sent a white, a white older man, well, like grown, fully grown, like uh, 40 or, oh, it was over 40. Everybody was over 40. Yeah. They sent a white man over 40, a white woman over 40, black man over 40, black woman over 40, all in to the doctor with the same exact symptoms. They gave them the exact same, said all the same things. The people who were sent for the most tests and follow up were number one, the white woman, then the white man, then the black man, then the black woman. And if you read all these studies, there are there are that medical people have thought for a long time. Black women have a higher pain tolerance. What? And so this is part of the systemic racism that is in the healthcare system. And this is what's showing up with the NFL. Did the NFL do this on purpose? No. Even the doctors in the uh, in the article. The ABC article, I'll tag it in the show notes as well. It said, some of them came out and said, like, yo, like, we didn't want to do this. We think that this is wrong, but this is the protocols that we were given. And in really thinking about it, wow, this is bad. And some of them don't want to talk because they're like, yo, this is going to affect our practice either negatively or positive in some kind of way. Because we're going to look really, really bad and really, really stupid. So when, it, when people talk about systemic racism, Obviously, this is not just an overt problem where where people are saying, oh, yeah, this is uh, like, let's keep black people down. No, they actually were trying to do something to adjust for it 
or to try to make sure the playing field is even or something. And they just did something stupid. And right. And I, I don't, I mean, one, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people get really riled up by the phrase systemic racism, because you'll lose a lot of people even talking about that one phrase in particular, because people um, think of themselves as the system. And what I want to tell people is like, you should be as upset about systemic racism as somebody who it affects because the progress that you've made in your personal life and in the generations that you've sired in your children, in your grandchildren, the progress that you have made gets hindered by systems that have inherent racism built into them. It affects you. You, you hate that everybody's talking about race all the time. Get rid of these systemic issues of racism so that your personal progress can actually shine through because when a mortgage application or a hand blower that sees white skin and not dark skin or this uh, concussion compensation, when issues that are actually built into the system come out and they affect uh, people um, of a different skin color or, or, or of, a, of a minority race or culture, like that affects how you're seen. You want to get rid of those things as much as possible if you are as elevated and adapted to modern society as you claim to be. But instead, so many people are like, well, I'm not racist, so the system can't be racist. But the system isn't you. The system isn't you unless you're in charge, unless you're making the rules. And then so unless you're in a position to actually like push back against that system and use whatever uh, platform that you have to do so, you're constantly going to be in a situation where you might not want to hear about race anymore. You want to live in a post-racial society, but you can't because of stuff like this yep. that you're not actually responsible for. So the, the correct reaction is not to look at issues of systemic racism or hear the phrase systemic racism and say like, this is not what I'm about. Therefore I'm going to completely tune out or push back against that. It's to recognize that if a scientific study or if credible people say this inherent bias exists, then you use whatever you can, whatever resource you can to help get rid of that thing. And I, like this is just a situation where I hope people aren't hearing that we're talking about racism and they're like, oh, that's just George wants to keep race in the conversation. The goal I is don't to want to talk about race. Like I want it out of the I'm tired of talking about race. I don't want to talk about it. I want to just celebrate race because because when people say, oh, I don't see race. Yes, you should see race. That way you can see if there are issues or problems or what whatever. Seeing race there's not a problem with it. It's if you, it's how you react to the race. That's the issue. Cause I love like, like for instance, I got a chance to, I think two years ago, I went to an Armenian wedding or it was no, no, it was a Persian wedding. First time ever at a Persian wedding. I've been to an Armenian wedding, but not a Persian wedding. And I was like, yo, I want to go to more of these. This is absolutely awesome. Like, I appreciate this culture. Like, invite me. If you're Persian, invite me to your wedding. I want to come. I will donate at the uh, end because the party is fantastic. But yeah, so you, we should celebrate people's cultures and differences, but it's how you react to them if you react to them negatively or treat people differently. Um, speaking of this, on the last episode, we talked about uh, the transgender issues with sports where to participate how to participate where they should play all these things and martina navratilova former tennis champ one of the greatest tennis players of all time she is advocating for a provision to joe biden's executive order for transgender participation 
And I'll let Ralph explain this because he, he gets to explain all the technical things. Yeah, so <laughs> I got to admit, you had me go back and actually read um, the executive order. And I don't fully understand what it is that I'm, I'm, I'm reading here because so many states, and we, we got into this, but so many states, including my own here in Arizona, and I actually know the sponsor of one of the, the, the bills. His name's Jeff Weninger. He's a, a state representative down here. He co-owns one of my favorite restaurants. And they took all this boilerplate legislation from these conservative groups and tried to make sure that uh, um, male to female transition transgender athletes could not compete in high school. Right. And so um, these laws have been being passed all over the country for the last couple of years. And Joe Biden signs an executive order and you and I came on this show and we talked about it like that was going to be the end of all of those local laws. But I read the executive order and it has the word should in it. Like no student should face discrimination, uh, whether they're um, the bathroom that they want to use at their high school or participation in sports um, on the basis of the gender that they identify with. And I, uh, the word should makes me think that this executive order is more about intent and it doesn't actually have the teeth um correct i'm not yeah so i'm not actually sure uh what's going on and so it seemed to me that martina navratilova and i'm trying to look up the article right now it seemed to me that martina navratilova really wanted um she wanted uh joe biden to like make sure that this executive order actually over rides all of these state laws that are being passed to ensure uh, that male to female uh, transition transgender athletes can actually well, um, here, participate in the sport that they of their gender identity. Well, here here's what, what she said. She said she opposed an all inclusive situation where trans men and women just based on their self ID would be able to compete with no mitigation, no rules outside of that whatsoever. That clearly would not be a level playing field. So, so she was for us agreeing that um, like she's uh, okay. one of the people who launched the women's sports policy working group to form a science-based ethical approach that. Okay. So this is a completely different issue. This is one that you and I have touched on just in texting back and forth. This is, women who were born women in, in, in sort of a proxy battle with people who, uh, who um, take hormone therapy to conform to the, the gender identity that they feel like uh, they were born with. Um, and so this is, uh, this is the thing that, uh, that people who advocate for trans rights call TERFs trans exclusionary radical feminists like they're all about moving forward the position of women in society but they don't necessarily include trans rights in that because they're trying to advocate for the female gender like the born yeah. female gender well, and so it seems like martina navratilova might be on on that which is a really contentious debate that i have see, no idea what to even think of here here's what she wants she wants a carve out a carve out quote for elite sports where there will be some rules as to what's possible and what's not and that's basically and that's basically only based on biology and evidence and science 
We are only talking about a carve out for a separate policy for elite sports or sports at a higher level of high school, college and pros. So that would eliminate uh, intramural sports like that, that like whoever wants to play can play. But it but if you are a high school athlete. What she's basically saying is you you either have to participate in the sport that of the gender that you were born or there we have to find some science based approach that we can say, all right, here are the parameters for testosterone or whatever else that you have to fall within to be able to participate, which is what we said on the last podcast. So I was like, this is finally somebody's making sense. So it's a solutions-based approach, but what people will tell you is that it it is discriminatory. That's what that's what people will will tell you. Listen anyway, well, and and I I can't like I can't speak. I I am not involved enough in this to be able to speak to it with any level of authority. I, what I just try to understand is where people are coming from and why. And I understand what Martina Navratilova is saying and why, as an elite level female competitor in the sport of tennis, right? Like I understand where she's coming from and why I understand where advocates for trans rights within athletics are coming from as well. I get it, but what am I, I I don't know what to do with the information that I've been provided. So if Rafael Nadal decide, and and mind you, he's one of the elite players. If you took a top 200 tennis player and put him on the women's tour, he would probably be the best player or like probably. Right. So if you take Rafael Nadal, he says, all right, look, I was born X, Y, Z way. Like, this is what I believe I'm transitioning to be female. I'm I'm sorry, as a woman. So this is what I'm going to do. I want to compete on the WTA. That's not fair. Not fair to Serena, not fair to uh, uh, Caitlin. I mean, mean, Otani is not fair to whoever else because it's not a level playing field. That's the issue. It's it's not about it. Like people keep making it about trans hate. It's not about that. It's about uh, divisions and all this stuff were created to make fairness. That's why there's uh, minor leagues in the baseball. There are different leagues for people of different skill levels. Okay, but so I just want to I just want to see if I can help you hear uh, this from their perspective. Okay, there was that scene in uh, the Jackie Robinson movie starring Chadwick Boseman, in which one of the commentators of the Dodger game said that it was unfair to include include Negro League baseball players because they had an elongated heel bone, right? And so, okay, ridiculous, right? Yeah, that is how they feel in those circumstances. If you're saying that. Uh, we can't compete because if you're saying like Rafael Nadal, it wouldn't be I have decided that I am female. It would be Rafael Nadal saying I've always been a female. The hormones that pump through my body don't match the gender that I identify with. Therefore, I need to undergo yeah. uh, procedures to ensure that uh, that I am who I believe that I have always been. Um, so the issue the is we get into the nitty gritty of like. <laughs> 
Should you have to have? I mean, that we, we we don't even have to go there. But 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 the question is then: Should you be forced to take hormones? And, and that and and that's where I agree with Naver to to, to Lovers. I'm saying that is that in elite sports, you should either have to compete in the gender that you were born in, or you have to have some science to say what the actual answer is. That's what I believe. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm honestly in a place where I don't know. But I will ask you this question: Do you feel that anybody who takes a "who gives a shit" attitude to Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, everybody who was with Victor Conti and Balco, the cream and the clear, and all that stuff, do you feel like anybody who gives a pass to people who were in the steroid era and benefited from it have the ability to also hold the position that they believe that it is unfair to women in sports? Uh, to have transgender participants because they've already taken the position of where like I don't mind if my athletes are chemically altered so long as I'm entertained so if you have that mindset of I don't mind if my athletes are, are chemically altered so long as I'm entertained can you then turn around and say this isn't fair for women though uh, you are talking to one of those people <laughs> um, so I truly believe that in baseball that when you talk to the players who played in that era that more than 50% of the players or more were potentially using. You look at the history of greenies in the sport and uh, cocaine and all this stuff. It's been a level playing field. Like, so that's where my pushback would be on you and that is that I do believe it's an actual level playing field. Um, but you guys, we will continue to cover all of this and more right here on Reister or Wrong. Uh, I'm George Reister. He is Ralph Amsden. And you guys, make sure that you guys download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, tell a friend about it because it's absolutely fire. Catch you guys on Friday.